whether they were downloading child pornography or if they were trying to solicit a child online uh, to meet for sexual purposes. The evidence is somewhere, and it's our job to find it. Go law enforcement. Go law enforcement. Go law enforcement. Go law enforcement. The podcast that makes your law enforcement dreams happen. Welcome to the Go Law Enforcement podcast, brought to you by GoLawEnforcement.com. I'm your host, Joe Lebowski. If you're looking for a job in law enforcement, Go Law Enforcement has the largest listing of law enforcement job openings. To help you get that law enforcement job you want and deserve, we've put together a special guide for you. Seven inside tips to get a law enforcement job fast. You can get the guide for free just by going to jobtipsnow.com. That's jobtipsnow.com. Recently, there was a statewide Internet Crimes Against Children conference, ICAC as it's commonly referred to, hosted by the Wisconsin Department of Justice Division of Criminal Investigation. This is part two of a two-part episode featuring the ICAC conference. I have some great interviews with ICAC investigators who presented at the conference. So, let's get started. Would you like to introduce yourself? My name is Jerry Crotty. I'm a sergeant with the Manatee County Sheriff's Office in Florida. What was your career path going into law enforcement? Uh, My career path was actually engineering. I was in school to be an engineer, and one day I went home from college, and the person that got the best grades of all the engineers in my previous school delivered a pizza to my house. And I asked him, you know, what are you doing delivering pizzas? And he said, there's no jobs. And so that kind of took me back a little bit, and... I decided to go get a job where no matter where I was, I could get a job anywhere. And law enforcement and medical seemed to be the, uh, the appropriate careers. What attracted you to law enforcement besides just the stability? The, uh, the, the ability to think outside the box and conduct investigations and really get into people's you know, brains about why they commit crimes, things like that. You work in a specialty area of law enforcement. What is that? Uh, The Internet Crimes Against Children Task Force. Can you explain what you do in that role? I'm the supervisor over uh, the unit. Um, I have a detective that is full-time. I also have another detective that has a component canine. Uh, It's a dog that can sniff electronics. Then I also have two part-time ICAC unit detectives that do ICAC work uh, when we need them to, and then they also do crimes against children cases as well. Uh, They're basically getting the training and the experience to move up uh, one day to be full-time, and I I basically supervise all uh, all of that. A dog that can sniff out electronics. That sounds quite unusual. Yeah, it, um... It was brought to my attention at a conference uh, probably about two or three years ago. They were highlighting the Jared Fogle case, and one of the things that caught my attention during their briefing was this dog that was walking around, and they told me that the dog was able to sniff electronics uh, because of a certain scent that they give off. And so when I got back to work, I was pretty determined to get one of these dogs, 
you know, the cost of them was, was kind of expensive. Uh, so myself and the, the canine handler uh, who trains all of our dogs went to the pound and got a $60 dog and trained the dog to smell that scent. So I always kid and say that uh, our, came, our canine component dog cost us $67 of shipping on Amazon. What kind of electronics can the dog sniff out? Cell phones, uh, computer components, hard drives, thumb drives, SD cards, you name it, she can smell it. Would this be used in situations where a subject has hidden electronics? Yeah, we had a couple cases in Manatee County where the subject, uh, the FBI had gone out and conducted an investigation on him and couldn't find the computer. And so a couple months later, we got the case. And through, uh, through in- interviewing the subject, he, we built his trust. And the uh, ICAC detective was able to talk him into showing us where the computer was. Uh, it was in an attic crawl space, and he had literally hidden it uh, from everybody. And if without him showing us where it was, we, it probably would have never been found. Would you describe a case which highlights your work in Internet crimes against children? Uh, it would be a case where a subject had sent one image over, uh, I believe it was Skype. Uh, he'd sent a child pornography image over it. And um, we went out and conducted the investigation on him, brought him back to the office, conducted an interview with him. Uh, he, he didn't really show any signs of being a hands-on type offender through the, through the basic interview process. Uh, as a matter of fact, the lead detective kind of told me, like, you know, this should be pretty quick for you. Uh, so I went in and conducted um, the exam on him, and three hours later I walked out and, and he had seven live victims that he had uh, molested throughout his years. And he was ra- rather young, I believe he was around 21 when he was caught, and he had already done a lot. And the victims ranged from 8 years old all the way up to, I believe, like 13, 14 years old. I presume that in an ICAC case, finding the live victim is really crucial it's kind of the purpose of these types of investigations is to not only uncover the evidence that you're there for, but also find out what this person is up to. Was there any special education or training that helped position you for your work in ICAC? Yes. Um, throughout my entire career, I've, I've focused on um, investigations. And I've been in law enforcement 20 years, and I would say 16 of those years have been in investigations. Uh, I've been pretty much every position there is uh, within the sheriff's office, investigative-wise, um, persons and then property and, and, and now crimes against children and ICAC. Uh, and so <clears throat> the investigative mindset that I had and then my, also my uh, passion is interviewing as well. And so I teach interviewing at academies. I teach it pretty much anybody who will listen to me talk. And then when I came across the, the computer device, the CVSA, that just kind of opened up a whole new avenue for me to to run down. For so many people going into law enforcement, they want to be great interviewers. What's the key to being a great interviewer? A good listener. That's really what it boils down to. You to. You have to not only listen to the words they're saying, but you also have to apply a meaning to every word that comes out of their mouth. I can't tell you how many times I've watched interviews that were done um, by somebody else and the person literally told them they did it, but they didn't say that. And so if they would have just stopped when the person said whatever it is that they said, uh, they, they could have got a confession a lot quicker um, than what it took. 
You work in another specialty of law enforcement, what most people would think of as a polygraph. What is that? Uh, It's a computer voice stress analyzer, and what it does is it captures the voice. Um, We we have a set of questions that we ask in a certain order, and the responses that they give are captured into the computer. And based off of that response, we get what's what's you know known as a voice graph, and we are able to view that voice graph and determine if there is stress associated with that answer. And based on the training that you get, you can associate the stress to deception. Um, and then from that point, once we determine that there's a, a, a you know a certain amount of stress involved with that question, then we kick in with our uh, defense barrier removal technique that they teach us as well which gives us the ability to overcome the denial and get the confession. Can you talk about a case where this was a pivotal moment in developing the case? Yeah, I, I mean, I can. there's a lot of cases. We, we've, we've been using the, the computer voice stress analyzer for really heavily the last two years. We focus a lot of it on the, on the sex crimes and uh, in in crimes against children, but from ICAC's standpoint, uh, we had a, a gentleman that you know, for all intensive purposes, likes child pornography. Uh, he collected it, and he liked a certain age group and such. Uh, so the detective went out and conducted you know, an investigation like he should, based on the search warrant. And then uh, we actually went into the house with the, the computer voice stress analyzer and ran it in his house on him. And he showed a lot of stress. So in talking to him, he told us about how he used to molest his sisters when they were little. And so when, you know, when he started talking about that, we brought him back to the office. We were able to determine that he had molested three sisters. And, you know, when, when you go to the house to talk to the sisters that have held on to this for so many years and you tell them what's going on, uh, it kind of brings shock to them. And it's, that's what's, what's important about doing these investigations thoroughly and getting to the bottom of the live victims because they're holding on to this information and they don't feel comfortable telling anybody. Uh, they were actually surprised he told on himself. So that, uh, that was kind of like the pivotal moment for me when I saw it work and get this guy to talk. And, and it had been like probably, uh, I'm guessing 20 years since he did this. So for him to still be stressing out over that question was, was something else my understanding in listening to you that the device is not necessarily the key it's using the device in a good interview yeah there's a procedure for everything a polygraph and a and a cvsa are a tool that we use uh, it's not the end-all be-all you know it's not like they fail it you turn it around and they just tell you what happened um, you have to use it to your advantage and so the, I think that the myth that everybody has is that, you know, they're, they're magical truth-telling devices, and there's no such thing as a, as a lie detector. Um, these are devices that we use to interpret what their stress is, and then the interviewer has to basically figure out why it's there. What advice would you have for somebody who wants to go into law enforcement, possibly even ICAC work? Get really familiar with computers and also have a lot of patience. Those cases take a very long time to unfold. And if you're the go-getter type of person, you know, the run, 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 you're going to have a hard time with the types of cases. They send out information and they have to wait weeks, maybe months, before stuff comes back. 
and um, you know that sometimes can be a, a little bit of a hard thing for people to comprehend so I would say patience would be one and also uh, get really familiar with computers is there one thing you wish you knew before you got into law enforcement yeah I wish that someone would have told me to open my ears and close my mouth a little bit because uh, you know you you think about like when you're a young cop and probably the worst weapon you have is your mouth and you miss a lot of things that way and so as I progressed through my career I learned to just let people talk more and uh, you seem to get a lot more out of them as opposed to you know being aggressive or anything like that Um, that's the one thing I wish somebody would have told me back then was just calm down and let it let it happen the way it's going to happen thanks for the interview No problem. Now, I have somebody who works with the Ontario Provincial Police in Canada in the Child Exploitation Unit. He's a programmer who's created a lot of the software used by Internet Crimes Against Children investigators around the world. My name is Joseph Versace. I'm a programmer with the Ontario Provincial Police in the Child Sexual Exploitation Unit. And what do you do in your role? Um, I'm a programmer in the unit, so I develop investigative programs. I support the unit uh, in terms of doing um, searches, uh, networking, whatever the unit sort of needs, uh, procurement, whatever. In what types of cases would your programs be used in? They're used in uh, child pornography investigations. uh, Specifically, most of them are proactive tools, so if people are proactively doing peer-to-peer investigations or uh, luring investigations, so we call them luring. I think you call them traveler ops. So uh, if people are coming to meet a child, uh, I've developed a lot of tools that sort of organize the material that you collect, your evidence, and make it presentable for court and that sort of thing. And my understanding is your software is used not only in Canada and the United States, but elsewhere. Yes, uh, in the States we have a lot of investigators trained in it, Um, England, Australia, right through, yeah. Can you describe a case where your software played a key role? Sure. The the, the one that comes to mind was was, uh, one of the earliest ones. Uh, On on my birthday, I I was 40 years old, uh, November 1st. 2010, right? And I came into the office and there was this email from a, an investigator in Chandler, Arizona. I, didn't, I, I, I couldn't find Chandler, Arizona on a map, but he had said, um, using your software, I was able to, uh, to gather downloads from a target. And it turns out this person was sexually assaulting their five-year-old and three-year-old and we rescued these kids that we wouldn't have otherwise. And I, I've had friends be given cars for 40th birthdays presence uh that email is is the highlight of my career i i've received a a number of them since but like that was the first one that i knew and it sort of amplified to me the the idea that you you, all all the banging your head against a wall trying to figure something out can have repercussions all around the world so that was that was an important case for me people will say all the time i don't understand how you can do that work and and it's weird because you turn to them and say it's the best job i've ever had and it's the people that do that. Never worked in an area that's been more rewarding in terms of personal relationships, um, in, in terms of people 
uh, willing to share it, you can, you can call up, I can call up an investigator anywhere in the States, and it doesn't matter if I know them or not, they will drop stuff to come and, and try and help a case. Uh, the community is just the most rewarding part of it. Thanks for doing the interview. Absolutely. Thank you. Now, I have a detective with the Milwaukee Police Department. Would you introduce yourself? Yeah, I'm uh, Sean Lips. I'm a detective with the Milwaukee Police Department in uh, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. What was your path getting into law enforcement? My path was, I I always wanted to become a police officer, even when I was six years old. I I knew what I wanted to do, um, and it was my goal to become a police officer, and I wanted to go to become a police officer right out of uh, high school and my dad told me no no you got to go to college so I went to college and uh, joined uh, UW Milwaukee uh, School of Social Welfare and got my criminal justice degree and my dad was happy I was happy and uh, showed there after I uh, joined the police department. What specialty do you work in with the Milwaukee Police Department? I'm currently assigned to the uh, high technology unit um, which I do both uh, forensics on computers, cell phones, anything digital, and also uh, ICAC investigations for the Internet Crimes Against Children. Can you describe what that role entails? I primarily focus right now on ICAC investigations uh, to identify targets that uh, prey on our, our kids um, online. Um, and then once we identify pe- uh, persons like that, we do a... Uh, eventually a search warrant on their house and that's when the forensics come uh, forensics comes into play uh, because eventually you know we have to examine the digital evidence to show the aspects of the child exploitation that they were involved in whether they were downloading child pornography or if they were trying to solicit a child online uh, to meet for sexual purposes but the evidence is somewhere and it's our job to find it was there any special education or training that prepared you for your work in icac or forensics not when I first started out. It's a lot of on-the-job training. You know, of course, a college degree helps uh, if you know how to study and you know, put your head into be a bookworm. It will help with the forensics part because it's very technical. Regarding the crimes against children, it's you have to have a heart. Um, you have to be dedicated because not everybody can do that job. Because you you look you deal with horrific situations, children getting traumatized. You look at at images that I would always want anybody to see those images. They're just horrific, and not everybody can deal with that. So, you know, if, if it's, it would not be a career to go into, at least this aspect of it for uh, inter-dependent children, if those are not things that you can handle very well. What advice would you have for somebody interested in getting into law enforcement, possibly ICAC or forensics? Uh, law enforcement, it's the best career. Um, I know we're we're going through a difficult time right now, um, but it, it's very rewarding. What Any aspect of law enforcement, whether you, you stay as a patrol officer from your beginning of your career till the end, um, or if you want to move up, uh, if you want to supervise you know, people underneath you, or like myself, I, I, you know, I had ample opportunity for promotion, but you know, I wanted to stick to what I'm doing because I love what I'm doing. Um, I love the forensics. Um, and the only thing I can say about forensics and, you know, not per se ICAC investigations, but there's life after the police department uh, for forensics. And, uh, you know, and it's, it's an awesome career to, to go into after uh, the police department. 
What's one thing you wish you knew before getting into law enforcement? For me, it was, I think, the physical toll it takes, physical and mental toll. And it, it's not necessarily just because of the, the cases that I do. I think we have it with anybody in, in the police department because whether you're a beat patrol officer or a homicide detective, you see some really awful things and not everybody's prepared for it. And I'll be the first one to say that I was not prepared for it. You know, I'm a very quiet person. Um, I, I grew up up north uh, with no violence and you know, come to the big city and you know, things, uh, things, you see things that you're not prepared for and it takes time. But uh, I do believe that eventually sometimes it takes a toll and sometimes you have to say, uh, you have to know the right time to exit. And uh, it's, uh, knowing that time is, is what probably will save a lot of people's lives. Detective Lips, thanks for being on the podcast. Thank you. If you're looking for a job in law enforcement, check out the largest listing of law enforcement jobs on golawenforcement.com. To help you get that law enforcement job you want and deserve, we've put together a special guide for you. Seven inside tips to get a law enforcement job fast. You can get the guide for free just by going to jobtipsnow.com. That's jobtipsnow.com. If you enjoyed this podcast, please leave a review on iTunes. Thanks for listening.